And it was also recognized by the Lord when he said, Who touched me? Now, don't think that the Lord was just touchy, uh, that he was upset because somebody rubbed shoulders or brushed clothes with him. That wasn't his point of his question at all. He knew that out of his body there had gone such power, and he knew the woman, but he would identify her, and so it was recognized power. Now, I looked up this word virtue, and I thought there must be some very special meaning to it, but it simply means power. The Greek word is dunamis, power. And as this woman came and touched the clothes of the Lord Jesus, power went out from the Savior into the body of that woman. And welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher. We're on the air to bring you the gospel today. We turn to our message on power to heal and save. From Mark chapter 5, we come to this ministry of the Lord's saving power. What we greatly need in the Christian life is power, power to pray, power to speak for Jesus, power to read his word, power to live in victory over sin. And of course, Jesus saved us that we might know the power of God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when you have the living Lord Jesus dwelling in your heart, you will know the power of God working within you. Now, we come to the message on justification, or what is justification. We have, of course, a great answer in the Shorter Catechism, which answers justification is an act of God's free grace, whereby he pardoneth all our sins, and accepteth us as righteous in his sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Now, that it is a tremendous statement and a wonderful blessing to the child of God to be justified just as if I had never sinned. And it is not man's doing, but God's doing, because we're told here it is an act of God's free grace. In other words, he does this without any earthly reason. It is his sovereign purpose and he is not bribed. We do not perform for this, but it is something that God in his sovereignty and in his free choosing bestows upon men, and he is free to pardon us from all our sins. Praise God, every sin has to go beneath the crimson flow, and we are accepted as righteous in his sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. So there is a transfer here of our sins to Jesus and his righteousness that is bestowed upon us. And here in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, Paul the apostle says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, 
whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation or a satisfaction, uh, satisfaction sacrifice through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. And praise God, we are indeed pardoned and totally forgiven all our sins and all our iniquities. The other proof text is Romans 4, verse 6, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Underline that, please. Without works, without any work, without any of man's performance, without trying to keep the Ten Commandments as a ladder to heaven, we are given by this free grace of God the full merit of Jesus to our account, and we are accepted in the Lord. That's what it is to be a Christian. That's what it means to be saved and pardoned from sin. We are accepted with God on the basis of what Christ has done, not upon what we can do. And so this is the gospel. This is the gospel of free grace. May the Lord apply it to your heart and lead you into the blessing of it today. Now we're coming to our message and Jesus' power to heal. So we're looking at this passage we read in Mark 5, verse 24, 25, right through to verse 34. And the scene before us is a very sad case of human suffering. For 12 long years, this woman has been battling for her health, and it seems that at every turn, she was losing the battle. And what disappointments she must have had as she went to one physician after another, and whatever she could afford to pay, each one just left her in a worse condition than before. And at this juncture, when she comes to the Lord, uh, we read here that she was indeed getting worse. And uh, what hopelessness there may have been in her own heart. Now, in verse 29, the Lord called her malady, her condition, a plague. It's very interesting that that word plague is the word for a Roman whip, which would flagellate or uh, beat the body. So it may well have been a very painful condition, a condition that caused this woman horrendous long nights of sleeplessness and days of torment. Dr. Ryle comments on this, why do people not hate sin more than they do? As this, no doubt, is the result of a fallen world and sin that has come into the world to bring sicknesses, disease, and such suffering. I remember a number of years ago, I had an opportunity to be a chaplain in Surrey Memorial Hospital, and I was released from that work because it was reported that I had said that this woman who had cancer, that it was due to sin. Now, in my presentation of that was, I was talking about all sin in general, that there is sin in this uh, sickness and suffering in this world because there is sin. And obviously, someone took offense to that, reported it, 
and I had a meet with a few uh, clerical characters, and it was over. So I uh, was relieved from that position. But it is true that sin has caused the fall, and this world has become the place of the curse of suffering, sickness, disease, and death. And generations after generations, hospitals are filled to capacity with the suffering, with the sick, and those that are facing sometimes even that which is incurable. I've never known a time to go to a hospital and find it empty of patients. Every time I go, and these days when you go to hospital, they're in the hallways. They can't even find a bed. And you may be in the ER for a long time before you get uh, your own room in the hospital. The hospitals today are overflowing. And when you think of all the facilities, the hospitals, medical clinics, and children's uh, medical centers, women's medical centers, the elderly. Uh, this world is a world of suffering, a place where there is endless suffering and pain. And I believe that the purpose for these miracles of the Lord Jesus is to teach us about the mercy of the Lord. When he encountered such cases, he not only came to them with some compassion, but he healed them, and he changed their lives. The Lord truly was the answer to misery. He reversed the curse everywhere he went. And of course, when we get to the ministry of the cross, we know that our Lord Jesus hung upon that cross, was made a curse for us, and the one who was blessed became cursed, that we might be saved. So I've entitled this message tonight, Jesus, a Savior for Suffering Souls. Jesus, a Savior for Suffering Souls. This is his ministry, and this is his character. And what we learn of our Lord here, we see his great compassion. We see his interest in every case that he meets. And you and I need to learn this, or we will read these events just as a passing story. We will say, oh, it's a wonderful little story, but we need to learn who is this Jesus that did such things? What power did he have, and what interest did he take in the souls of men and women. Maybe this week you will have an opportunity to meet with, talk with, minister to some poor suffering soul, someone who's going through great trial and trouble, whether it's pain in the body or trial of some kind, and you wonder, how can I just bring a little word that may minister to that troubled heart? If you were to go to a hospital, how would you minister to that soul, where here we have a Savior for suffering souls. And I have uh, noted here in this whole account that that jumps out at us in a number of ways. Jesus is the Savior we need because of his nearness. 
If you look at the verse 27, uh, you will find there, when she had heard of Jesus. Now, how could anyone living in the land of Judea, and in Galilee in particular, not have heard of Jesus? Surely his fame was abroad. Surely the miracles that he was doing must have been the talk of every community going out as ripples far and wide. How could this woman not have heard of Jesus? But I think when you analyze that statement in its context, you begin to see that she was realizing Jesus is near, that he's actually coming right through this vicinity. And it reminds me of people who may come to church for the very first time. Can you imagine the first time ever to sit in a gospel church where the Bible is read and where the Bible is expounded? This was the hour for this woman, and she was beginning to learn that the Lord Jesus was near. If you look at verse 27 again, uh, you will see that uh, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind. Now, I want you to know that, that of course, that press is not the media with their cameras and their microphones. Uh, that is the, the, the crowd, the, the jostling and the pushing and the shoving of the people. And many of the streets in these areas were very narrow, not big, wide-open areas. If you have ever looked at some of the cities and towns of Israel, uh, their streets were very narrow, maybe eight feet wide, just really not a whole lot wider than the aisle of this church. And so when people walked along with Jesus, they were in confined quarters. And no doubt uh, this woman, uh, she heard and witnessed the crowd coming she somehow learned that Jesus was coming along in that way. Now, she had heard of Jesus coming, and she had heard of Jesus' fame. His miracles were mighty. And the one thing about the Lord that I'm sure she heard was that every time the Lord heals, He heals 100%, 100% of the time. There's not a doctor in the country that can touch that statistic. Every patient completely cured every time the Lord ministers to them. Jesus never sent someone home without being perfectly healed. And as I said, there's not a doctor in the world that has a record like that. And indeed, many doctors have to consent defeat. They have to recognize that whatever learning or skills they have, they cannot touch the problem or the malady. And so we learn something of the Lord here, of His nearness and of His power to heal. Now, the nearness of the Lord is the, a reality that we all need to learn. He is near to us. Even today, even in our generation, uh, his sheep hear his voice. There are Christians here tonight who have heard the voice of the Savior. And there was a certain hour in which they unquestionably 
responded to the call of the Savior. The Lord is near by his word. Every time we take up these scriptures, we are hearing the voice of the shepherd in our souls. His voice and his power is near by his spirit. He said, I will send another comforter to you, and he will show you the things of Christ. He will reveal to you those things that you need. And every time that the, the gospel is preached by faithful Bible ministry, surely the Lord is near, and we can say that he is passing by this way. And it is this nearness of the Lord that makes him perfectly suited to souls in need. The Lord is not confined to the, the galaxies of the universe. Have you ever wondered why he chose this little sphere called earth? For God so loved the world, the planet we're living on. God so loved men and women here on planet earth and sent his son that the Lord Jesus is the name that is given the keys of the kingdom of these nations, this world. And he rules and reigns right in this world. His name is Jehovah Jesus, and all his power and all his might is focused upon this little world. And so he is the Savior we need because he's near. And you and I can go to people anywhere, whether it's hospital, home, or any place of trouble, and say, Jesus is near. Jesus is near. I wonder tonight, do you feel that he's near to you? Maybe you think he's afar off and has abandoned you. Well, the Lord promises, draw nigh to me, and I will draw nigh to you. Now, if you stop praying, and you stop searching the Scriptures, and listening for his voice in his word, you will come to the conviction that the Lord has abandoned you. But in reality, you may have abandoned him. You may have just let him walk by. As I read this story, this woman was not going to let the Lord go by. She's the one that came in the press. She's the one that pressed in to ensure that she would avail herself of the Lord walking by. Let me ask you tonight, are you praying earnestly? Are you spending that quality time when you shut the door of the world and you press in, Lord, I must find you? And you've promised that when I seek you with all my heart, I'll find you. Lord, will you come to me? I assure you, the Lord will never disappoint you. But if you remain half-hearted, distant, quizzing, unbelieving, and no doubt unbelief will make you think the Lord is not near. And so here is a great challenge to us in this. The Savior we need because he is near. The second reason is that He's the Savior willing to heal, willing to heal. Uh, this uh, attention given to this single woman, never before introduced to the Lord. He had never known her. He had never anything to do with her. And yet she comes pressing, squeezing in through the crowd, 
and she comes to the Lord. Now, as I said, this whole story is a parenthesis. It's a story within another story. The Lord was busy going with Jairus to heal his daughter. That was the focus. That was the goal of this little journey. And on the way, pressing through the streets, this woman presses into the Lord, and she touches his clothes. So, there is this distraction, you might say. This woman was a distraction from the main task of going to heal Jairus' daughter. Note the crowds, verse 27. Uh, there was the press. And as I say, it's, it's not the media. It's not uh, the people with their notebooks trying to get a story, but it's just the sheer numbers of people that were all around the Lord. And yet, the Lord was willing to heal this woman, no matter how many people were around, no matter how inconvenient. And note that it was just one poor woman. She hadn't two pennies to rub together. She had exhausted all her resources, spent them all on physicians seeking some sort of healing, and yet the Lord was very willing to look upon her and heal her. In verse 26, you will read of that poverty, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered but grew worse. A fat lot of good all those physicians did. See how they only fed off her malady. They may have enriched themselves on the poor plight of this woman. And see how her lot in life was getting worse and worse. And there was no way that the Lord could say to this woman, just heal yourself. Seek your own remedy. Now, surely you can see that this is the Savior that you need tonight. You feel the plague of sin. You feel the emptiness of your heart. You feel the trouble that you're in getting worse and worse. And when you confess that you are worse today than before, indeed, each day of eking out a living is another day nearer uh, the destruction of your soul, then this is the Savior you need. And if you allow me to take this woman's case here as a parallel of a churchgoer who trusts in mere religion to save her soul— which commentators like Matthew Henry do, you will sense that all your religion, all your self-works, all your religiosity has not made you a better person. But you're worse. The disease, ugliness of sin, the corruption of your heart, the cynicism of your mind, your unbelief that is at the bottom of all your troubles is getting worse. And where's it going to lead you? lead you in the way of destruction. And this poor woman needed the Lord so desperately. And I think this whole story tells us that natural religion cannot make a human heart any better, whether it's traditional Christian churches and all the trappings and traditions of Christianity, or whether it's New Age self-help creation worship programs, native Canadian 
uh, spirit worship, any religion. If it's just mere natural, you'll just get worse and worse and worse. But the Lord Jesus is equipped to help. That's the message of these miracles. There's one thing that stands out above anything else, that while everyone else feels to heal, Jesus can do it. Jesus can do it. And he's willing to heal. Think of those wonderful promises where Jesus said, as in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Here's the Lord willing to heal, willing to save. Some other evenings, we, we noted that everyone they brought to Jesus, he healed them all. There never was a person the Lord refused to heal. Everyone they brought, he healed them all. Do not say tonight that the Lord won't heal me. The Lord won't fix my heart. I'm too rebellious, too cynical, too broken, too empty. The Lord could never minister and meet the need of my heart. That's unbelief. That's to deny the very picture that we see right here in these wonderful verses. is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. 
located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word. Music